afternoon and good evening, wherever and whenever you may be, and welcome to episode 131 of the Fade to Black podcast. I'm Amon Woman. I'm Clarice Lockery. And I'm Hannah Flint. This week, Hannah speaks to actor-filmmaker Adam Deacon about bringing Vico and Kane click-clack to screen while we review the film. Clickety-clack. <laughs> you did not put half enough enthusiasm into that. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> <laughs> This week, Hannah speaks to actor filmmaker Adam Deacon about bringing Vico and Kane, Vico and Kane, clickety clack to screen while we review the film. Was was, was that better? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Plus, in a special expanded edition of Hot Take, we round up our London Film Festival experiences and share our hot picks for the coming months. This podcast was recorded during the 2023 SAG-AFTRA strikes. Without the labour of the actors currently on strike, the movies being covered here would not exist. I really hoped that we might see some progress on that front, but I looked at my phone the other day, or rather I woke up to news that the SAG-AFTRA strike uh, would be proceeding because Aptipa are still acting full, uh, which is frustrating for all involved. Someone made a good point, though, that um, they they actually can't, the studios can't withhold that much longer because now that the WGA are back to work, mm. people are obviously writing scripts and they need desperately to go into production by the end of the year. Otherwise, like, the financial losses are going to be too big. So yeah. I'm putting a hopeful spin on this. Um, we like hopeful spins. Be- I feel like hopefully don't be too dismayed. I think I think something's going to happen within the next few weeks because they can't string this out as long as they did with the WGA. They just can't do it. So you think this is resolved in 2023 and not 2024? I think so, because I don't think they can afford to lose awards season either. Yeah. There's, so uh, I'm, try, I'm trying to be optimistic. Uh, speaking of optimism, Hannah... Uh, you've been up to some exciting things over the last few days. Tell the good people what you've been up to. Oh, too much. Okay, <laughs> please, let me go to bed. Um, you know what's been really nice to do? And Amon, you're part of this as well. It has been a really nice kind of week to uh, celebrate the kind of new generation and people mm. coming up in criticism and showing solidarity. Um, we... On Saturday, um, we did this. We uh, hosted a. You were you were in charge. You are you were, uh, supporting the LFF critics mentorship scheme. So I came in to talk a bit about freelancing and pitching, and it was really great to meet the young critics on that course. And then on Monday, we gathered like donors and recipients of the critic support fund that myself and Hannah Strong had set up, and that was a really nice experience to kind of like oh chat to people and get people kind of like connecting. I'm going to be doing another one on Sunday. Oh my God, it's funny. Um, Akua, who um, who does it, who's from British Black- Blacklist, mm-hmm. does the thing, does the mentorship with um, Aman, and she asked me to do another session on podcasting because mm-hmm. I am, of course, the most celebrated podcaster in Britain. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we all know this. <laughs> there's a slight little bit of me thinking, me? <laughs> but I guess it's like people, I think it's because it's like red carpet kind of, presenters and reporters and kind of like because I've done a lot of red carpet stuff as well so I think it's mm-hmm. kind of again just experience yeah chatting about it. so that'd be good on Sunday and then what else has been going on um uh well entire fucking a war but um let's we're gonna put some show notes uh in the show notes we're gonna put some links to stuff because that's actually been quite devastating to see what's going on in Palestine mm-hmm. um 
and obviously love to everyone who is affected um, by the situation. Um, but we're going to, I want to put some um, links to some organizations that you can donate to. Medical Aid for Palestine is a big one um, because, you know, Gaza is being destroyed. Um, and so I think it'd be really good. So rather than spend this whole time to kind of get into the nitty gritty of it, uh, I'll we'll put links to people who are far more educated on this than we are. Mm. And hopefully it can kind of like, you know, it'll make you a little bit more aware of the kind of like full context of what's going on there. Um, so yeah, so it's been interesting going in and out of films really. Um, but I have seen some good films and I hosted a go to have sex panel last night with uh, Molly Manning Walker and me and McKenna Bruce. So yeah, so it's been, and I feel like if my throat, throat sounds a little bit weird, I think I've ca- caught the LFF Lurgy. So <laughs> Yeah. yeah. It's been a week, guys. <laughs> Clarice, you also came in to do a session. Yeah, can I issue piece. a clarification? Because Hannah did not include me in that part of Boston. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> I was also there, but my contribution was last week. And I wasn't at that drinks because I was at Maestro. Sorry. I privileged Bradley Cooper over <laughs> tomorrow. I'm really sorry. I'm sorry, Clarice. I forgot. That's okay. I know if not, I just wanted to make sure people listening were like, I am also an ally. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, Clarice said, fuck the youth. <laughs> Wait, but she you said, did it on, you did it on reviewing, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's sorry, a, yeah. I forgot. No, it's okay. But it's also last week. So I, this week I did nothing for the youth. Yeah, so. technically. No, but so. then I did also talk about Saturday. But then I suppose mm. it's different. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Everything's burned, blowing into awesome <laughs> I can talk about something not LFF related that I did this week. Please. Um, I went to the premiere of Dr. Jekyll, which is the new film by oh, Joe Stevenson, who did with Eddie Izzard. Chicken, yes. Mm. Um, and he also did that documentary about Ian McKellen. But what was interesting is that it's also part of um, Hammer Films has been recently like bought up by this guy oh my god i think it's john gore is his name and they're kind of trying to do a uh they're trying to revive hammer films which is a very horror uh appropriate language for it they did a little presentation and from what it sounds like they're gonna be both releasing new films like dr jekyll that's gonna be the first big new hammer horror film um and also gonna restore older films and put them back in cinemas, which I think is very exciting news for horror fans. So um, it's cool. I like I like that it's risen from the dead. Mm. The haunt people. Ah. <laughs> yeah, they've finished that a few. There's another one that Heather Graham's in that I've seen. And we can read, really, they're, they're doing FDA screenings of it. So maybe we can review them oh, next week. Maybe, is it yeah. next week or the week after? They're coming up. Mm. Certainly, it's spooky season, so it'd be good to get some good, like mix of horror in. Yeah, beyond the world. <laughs> it, no, it's yeah, it's no, it's Halloween now. We're not discussing this. It's now Halloween. <laughs> it is Halloween from the first of October until Thanksgiving, and I will not have any discussion <laughs> about this. <laughs> <laughs> Halloween. Are you guys regular trick or treaters? You guys no, because we're that? adults. Yeah, no. <laughs> 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 you say this like adults don't dress up to go trick and treat, and they do. With children, we are child yeah. free. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if I just turned up in like a 
slutty mouse costume of like trick or treat. Okay. Leave before we call the police, you prostitute. <laughs> yeah, as an adult, you can't just go door to door and demand candy from strangers. Um, wait, yeah. wait, 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 wait. Pause, 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 pause. <laughs> Amon, does this mean that this is something that you do? <laughs> no, it is most certainly not. I have never once in my life trick-or-treated. Uh, oh, yeah, because you're like anti-Halloween. Exactly. Um, so, I think so it's so funny yeah. to me. It's not funny, but I'm so intrigued by like your fear of like like that. It's so interesting to me. And does this come from like a religious space? My mum would never allow allow <laughs> back in the day. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Um, and then I went to boarding school, and that's just not something we, we did. Do you guys leave sweets out? For, oh yeah, because for... boarding schools are just yeah not fun either, are they? Is it fun? <laughs> what mean... school? God, we're really segueing here. <laughs> Tell me, I'm on boarding school. Did it change your attitude to the world? <laughs> well, I mean, not to get too deep into it, but I feel like boarding school was useful for me in some ways, and less useful for me in other ways. Um, mm. And yeah. And but I I've always considered myself a late bloomer, um, and I was a very 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 different version of myself back then to what I am now. Um, yeah, you're crazy son of a bitch. <laughs> no, I hate saying that because I've met your mum, and it's like very rude to say that. And it's like she's no, she's a lovely lady. Yes, she is. Yeah, yeah, craziest son of a lovely lady. <laughs> she is a superwoman, that one. Um, but uh, yeah, I forgot what I was going to say now. Oh yeah. The, do you guys leave sweets out for kids to come and... No, because no, no. I don't like children. <laughs> no, I've never had anyone come. I, I would not... I was under the impression that trick-or-treating did not really happen here because when I was in America, like, the entire neighborhood would build, like, haunted houses on their doorstep. Like, there were mazes on people's lawns. Like, it was a real big production. You also have to remember that, like, we live in flats. And, Mm. you know, I pretty much sure there's no kids in the flat that part and block that I live on. Um, And and also, it's far easier in suburban situations. So, like, when, you know, when I lived, when we had a house, we used to go trick-or-treating. Mm. Um, and then when we were in Don- Doncaster, I think my parents still put out things because people will knock. Although yeah. people are so, I felt sorry for my mom because people we have mm. a, like a long, like we had a long driveway. Mm-hmm. So like, I and it was so dark <laughs> and there's things up, and I think some of the kids were too scared to come out. So my mom started putting. <laughs> my mom got really excited. She had this whole bowl of the Harry Bow things ready for kids to come. <laughs> and so the next year, she like put lights up so to light the way so they could come down. Oh, that's cute. Yes. That is, yeah, wonderful. bless her. <laughs> I mean, I didn't mind because I got all the sweets, but like, <laughs> of course he did. Uh, yeah. On that note, on with the show, I say. Uh, it's time to talk some motherhood, but first, the trailer. Pussy, I was trying to rub this. We're laughing, stop, man. I'm out here looking for redemption, bruv. Are you on it or not? Yeah, I'm on it, cuz. We're gonna need some more soldiers. I'm gonna call my man them, innit? I ain't got time for your CBBC man them, blood. This time, we do something that's gonna finally put us on the map. Give me everything you got! Pals, 10p's, 5p's, and even the brown pennies! You want the pennies? Fuck me, how much longer is this gonna take? I'm from London, London, London town. You can tell me off or get thrown around. You can get one, three, five, an ounce. Let me tell you how's going down. Boom. 
There we go. Bit of Kano. <laughs> My guy. Got to speak to him for the first time. It was great. <laughs> so funny. He actually sounds a lot like Ben Bailey Smith. You know, Doc Brown. They have the very similar accent. So it's kind of oh. weird, like, talking to him on the phone mm. and be like, Ben. Um, anyway. <laughs> Sorry, we're going off the tangent there. Couldn't, couldn't be me, couldn't be me. <laughs> okay. When Rico and Kane need money, they decide to rob a megastar in a nightclub toilet and hold up the local bank, but things don't go as planned. A misunderstanding leads them into business with one of East London's toughest firms. Directed by Adam Deacon and written by Deacon, Michael Vu, and Jazzy Zonzola, it stars Deacon Zonzola, Richie Campbell, Eddie Cady, Jennifer Saunders, Peter Serafinowicz, London Hughes, Cobner Holbrook-Smith, and Ed Sheeran. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the enthusiasm for Ed Sheeran? <laughs> you will, when, when you watch this film, you'll get it. Um, so, um... I have actually met Adam Deacon a few times um, over the years, and um, I think it's really interesting with him considering he was, you know, he got a BAFTA Rising Star Award back in 2011. Um, and then, uh, you know, he's spoken about it. We didn't speak about it in this interview because, to be honest, I felt like I don't want him, I don't want to, you know, I don't think he should have to have Noel, Noel Clark brought up every time he does an interview. Mm-hmm. But he's talked a lot about how he was slightly blacklisted from allegedly blacklisted from kind of work, work and stuff because of Noel Clark. Um, and it's been eight years waking, in, you know, since Anotherhood, his first directorial debut came out. So um, it was really cool to talk to him about the kind of like what went into making it, struggles again, getting it's such fast paced dialogue, like kind of bringing this kind of very specific satirical film, parody film that we haven't really seen in a while. There used to be a whole like kind of like business for it, like, but you don't really see them that much. Um, and obviously, there's, you know, I mentioned Ed Sheeran, but there are so many cameos in this. It's insane. It's like a who's who's of British television. I mean, it's clearly guys in an EastEnders fan. So um, it was really nice to talk to him. And here's that interview. Adam, it feels so good uh, to have you on the Fade to Fat podcast and also see you back making movies again. Oh, thank you. It's been too long. I'd really love to, like, just talk a little bit about, like, the kind of effort that goes in, because the British film industry isn't exactly especially great for people to come up to do second features. Mm. A lot of directors find it really difficult to do their sophomore feature. Can you tell me a little bit about that, what happened in the process and like how you managed to get to this point? Because yeah. some otherhood isn't, it feels like had scale, ambition, and like, mm. you know, just a lot of like, a lot of going into it. Mm. Um, so yeah, tell me how to how it got yeah, here. Yeah, um, it's been a journey. Like the whole process, you know, it's taken eight years to get to this point. Um, you know, I think when me, Michael and Jazzy first started writing the project, we felt like there'd be a lot more support at the early, earlier stage. Mm. We felt like we worked really hard on the script. So when it came to pitching it out there, we felt like people were just going to get it. Like, you know, my last film, Anotherhood, it done well commercially. And I just felt like it'd be a lot easier to get this film made. But we faced a lot of rejection. And I think the hardest part was kind of keeping the faith and sticking with it. Um... But we just kept on and we kept on and I felt like we got to a place where I realised that we're trying to do something very different and not many people are going to get that. So I felt like we had to try and find the investment ourselves, make the film ourselves, and then go about showing the studios and, and that's kind of like, that's what we've done, yeah. It's such a specific kind of satirical take on the genre that I feel like we don't get this anymore, like that yeah. sort of movie. Yeah. Um, you know, I kind of, in a way, like, it's kind of like the scary movies or like mm. things like that where yeah. it's like let's kind of hone in on yeah, something yeah, yeah. can you tell me a little bit about like how it went from like the first script that you kind of mm. conceived and like the shooting script like what was anything changed and obviously eight year process mm. the new things come out that you of course, see you yeah, can yeah, yeah. 
you know, words change, times change. So being an eight-year process, the script went through a lot of changes. And we were honestly still making changes when we were on set uh, filming. We'd make last-minute changes to it. Also dealing with, like, product placement. A company will get on board. We have to write lines to make <laughs> them cool and authentic. And um, so there was, yeah, it was dealing with a lot. But I feel like it was taking kind of like what we'd done with Another Hood in 2011, but make it 2023 yeah. and make it for the times. And I feel like we captured that, yeah. Yeah. I like how, um, like, the balance between some people are quite straight and the over-the-top mm. characters. Mm. Uh, Richie's character is yeah. just like... It's just gradually getting... You just have to kind of let it kind of wash over you, just how mad. It's very mad. So tell me a bit about directing like mm. that sort of those type of things. Like, kind of, what were you kind of talking to the actors about? I always said to Richie, I was like, bro, we need to go for, like, the hood joker. <laughs> like, he needs to be so out there, so crazy. Um, and, you know, Richie, he's one of the best actors I know. I love Richie Campbell. Um, he's so amazing at what he does. Um... We didn't have that much time with Richie because he was shooting Grace at the time. Mm. And he just come on set and he smashed it. He knew his lines. He was in character. And I guess sometimes it was hard to get him out of character because he just, <laughs> he gets into that that mode. And yeah. But, was he um, like that all on set? Like that's it? It's like, yeah, like, he's cut, quite cut. method. He's quite <laughs> method and he's walking around and he's doing the lisp. And, um, but I think him and Jazzy Zonzola as well, I've got to shout out Jazzy just because that was his, this was his first time in a lead role. Mm. He obviously comes from a more improvised background. So I think there was so much dialogue and I, I love the fact that Jazzy took it serious and he, he learnt his craft, yeah. Mm. I'm really proud of him. The dialogue, I it was almost like, um, I don't know, scatting legs. <laughs> it was like the way that, how fast and high energy and it felt like you were, like it was, you were spitting bars basically. Yeah. How was that, like, you doing, like, shooting it? I mean, was it kind of one takes? Like, you, I mean, mm. you wrote it, but it's yeah. also kind of like, wait, Would I have you know to say what? this now? <laughs> yeah, so when we were writing it, we were really aware of how words flow together mm. and how sentences can can sound like a, like a lyric, and we wanted that. We wanted it all to flow well. Sometimes I made my life harder for myself because we didn't realise how kind of how tricky some of the dialogue was. So when it comes to learning it, I was like, oh my God, I've got a lot of work to do here. Like, but what I did is I, I learnt my lines months before we started pre-production so I could focus on the directing. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it was, it was tricky at times and I'm the kind of person as well, I don't like that much improvisation, even though I like to improvise mm. myself on other jobs. On this job, I was like, look, we've worked so hard on the script. Mm. I want everyone to kind of stick to the script word for word. So, um, yeah. Well, everyone assumes The Office is like improv, but that's very specifically yeah. dialogue. I think dedicated. sometimes with comedy, you need to be like that because I don't like any surprises. I, I feel like, mm. look, if I know a joke works when we've we've made it a certain way, then I want it to work like that on set. So, yeah, I was really quite strict about the lines mm. being from the script. Yeah. I, there were so many references in it that I feel like was so specific to like, so I'm 35, so like kind of our generation of mm. things, yeah. like ads we've seen or things like that. Like, yeah. were, I mean, you said, what were the fun things that you came up with? Like, I mean, I know it sounds really silly, but like as the price, it feels like a very specific thing. Yeah, I guess, oh, I think we just <laughs> wanted to make it very British. Yeah. Like we didn't really care about the rest of the world. We just, if they want to watch it, that's great. But we focused on Britain and the UK and making it really have that kind of UK feel to it. Um, but, um, yeah, it's a. Uh, I feel like we got a good balance, really. Yeah. Yeah. And also, just seeing every single cameo that popped up, like 
I love how much you clearly love EastEnders. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big fan of EastEnders. Love yeah, EastEnders, yeah. but also like just all these different people popping up, and and I suppose like how who was the who was the hardest one to get out of your kind of cameos? Um, and I think you've spoken a little bit about who they're on, so I don't think we're revealing too many, mm. right? Um, I don't know about the hardest to get, but the most surprised I was was Jennifer Saunders, just because you know I grew up watching her work. Mm. She's a comedy legend, so to get to work with her so closely and direct her, it, it felt really amazing. And that was one of the moments on set where I think everyone felt quite emotional in a sense of when I started making films in this genre, it was always pretty niche and underground. And to have kind of mainstream legends like Jennifer Saunders in your movie, it felt like we've come a long way. It's become mainstream now. So I don't like looking at some otherhood like an urban film. No. I just like saying it's an action comedy. And I feel like it, it says something when, you know, you've got distribution by like Paramount UK. Yeah. It's the the genre's come a long way now. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a sense of like belief in what you're doing and mm. getting that kind of. Um, I know it's like, oh, okay, this is feels good that I've got like this icon of British comedy mm. endorsing me. Yeah. And I think in a way, do you hope that kind of like for your like the next project you work on that it can only get yeah, more. Yeah, I think you know? our plans is just to get. It's a shame that it has, you have to rely on that sometimes, where it's like, well, this person's there, that means I'm a legit person. Mm. But, like, yeah. Well, it feels like it was just really overwhelming the amount of support, you know, because mm. we had so many cameos, and it was a whole mix match of how we'd done that, you know. Some of it would be me and Jazzy on our phones, ringing people we know, putting in favours. Kevin Bishop was in it, right? Kevin, was he like, was a massive help. Kevin, like, Kevin Bishop, he's one of the producers as yeah. well. He managed to get our contact with Ed and, um, and Jennifer, and we had an amazing cast and director, Heather Baston, she worked extremely hard. Um, but we just wanted it to be like one surprise after another surprise, one face after another face. So there's, yeah, there's a lot of recognizable faces in it, yeah. And so like coming up next for your third like big thing, um, are you gonna stay in the hood or are you kind of gonna branch out to something else? I've got else? so many ideas, you know, I just wanna, but I think overall I just wanna be working again. Mm. I feel like I took quite a long break. It wasn't always what I would have wanted. Mm. It wasn't necessarily I had the choice in that, but. I feel like I'm back and I just want to, I want to direct more. I want people to, to realise that, you know, I've been acting since I was 12 years old. This is my life. So, yeah, I just want to act more. I want to direct more. I just want to be working more and just, I really feel blessed right now. Yeah. Oh, good luck to you. Thank you so much. Thank Thanks you. for this film. Oh, thank you thank so you. much. Uh, so, I haven't actually watched this film, but Clarice and Hannah have. And we were discussing beforehand that this is a spiritual sequel to another film, Another Hood. Uh, none of which <laughs> we, we, we haven't seen uh, that collectively. So for you guys, I guess my first question is, did it get you up to speed? And did you feel like you understood everything and you weren't sort of wishing that you'd watched another herd before watching this film uh, as, as you uh, first got into this? Hannah? Um, I think this is a completely standalone film. I mm. think, um, you know, Clarice was saying it's like it might be in the sit in the same world, but I don't think, I don't think it has any connection beyond maybe I think you said like a few maybe a cameo of another character. Yeah, and there's a thing about free tellers that is repeated. So there's I think there are little references and connections, but you maybe don't like have to have seen it to understand the jokes. They just repeat some of the jokes, basically. Yeah, and that could just be lazy writing. <laughs> I'm only joking. I'm only joking. Um, 
so yeah, I think you don't need to do it. I think the, the best way to describe this film is kind of like a parody of like the kind of urban crime genres that we get, like Gangs of London, Top Boy. Okay. Um, like no, I wouldn't say Luther because I don't know, like maybe The Wire, uh, not Wire. I mean, maybe like The Wire a little bit. Mm. Um, uh, but kind of very knowing because also it's if you, you know, if you think about kid adulthood. What was the, what were the three? There was adulthood, adulthood, adulthood I and think then those were the two that he was in, and then there was a third yeah, one. and then there was a third one, and um, but like it was kind of that's focused on the young people of it, where these guys, guys, you know, obviously no, they're not young anymore, <laughs> yeah. but they're kind of like I don't know. There's this kind of real Harold, Harold was it Harold and Kumar kind mm. of like buddy comedy version of it. These connect people who kind of like accidentally fall into like this like into these high like hijinks and schemes but then like on the way there's kind of like all these kind of tropes that you see from like different things you have like an absolutely psychotic <laughs> maniacal bad guy played by Richie Campbell who's just looks you know just it's just so over the top at points that you're like this is so weird but also I kind of are into it and then you've got like the Cobner Holbrook Smith character who's like the bad the guy who's like top boy on the estate basically. Uh and he's like looking for the peas and <laughs> wants the food and all that. So yeah. Cool. Um so this is primarily then focused on Vico and Kane. What do we feel about that relationship and how it evolves and develops over the course of the film, Clarice? Oh, I loved them. <laughs> <laughs> like I have to say, like the the style of comedy that Hannah's talking about, like it's very like hyper and completely over the top. Um, it's not, I guess, like personal taste. I didn't love that part of the movie because I just found it like overwhelming for my brain. Mm. <laughs> but I think in contrast, what for me really sold the movie was like both how Rika and Kane are written and how they, um, like how they have that really, really sweet, like we're trying to be really tough guys, but really we're just sweethearts, especially um, Kane, who's the character played by Jazzy Zonzolo. He's so sweet. I love him. Mm. <laughs> and when he's robbing the bank, like one of my favorite bits is a really small moment. But when they're robbing the bank, he's like trying to put the bag of money through the hole, right? You know, there's the glass wall and he's trying Mm. to get it through, but he's got Mm. two guns. And so he's like (laughs) trying to like put the guns down really gently and he's like trying to find someone to balance them. It's such a brilliant bit of physical comedy. (laughs) And there are so many little moments of like that between specifically the two of them (laughs) that for me, like that was the movie. And I think Mm. it did like, I was trying, I was struggling to like pin a specific reference point for the comedy, but definitely, yeah, stuff that from the 90s, the sort of movies we had, the sort of Dumb and Dumber, Harold and Kumar, Mm. like that era of like goofy guys, really ridiculous, like just parodies of humanity. Like dude, where's my car sort of situation. Yeah, like that sort of stuff. And it's really hard to like, I I couldn't tell you a specific film that this was trying to be, Mm. but that era of comedy that we don't really see anymore. So that's what was quite refreshing about it. Yeah, it's kind of spiritually kind of like uh, air, a spiritual air to those type of thing where it's like continuing that. And I think, you know, they have a really good relationship and I think, you know, 
I will say there was a bit. I I, I don't know what you think. I think there's a they they talk about mental health in this and a big thing, which I was like, I don't know if it's. <laughs> I think they were trying to do something good, and mm. I don't know if it quite landed on the Kirk because main he has bipolar, and it was kind of like that was linked to his like aggression, <laughs> being mm. able to beat people up. You're like. I don't know if this is getting the intention that you want it, but you're suggesting that it kind of like, it's kind of like a slightly aggressive stance on mental health equals equates to beating up people. I don't know. I think they've kind of tried something there and maybe didn't quite land it. So I have to say that, but I think it really, it, it so full of references like, so full of pop culture references from, like, you know, Asda Price to, like, you know, the two police officers called, this is Ian and this is Bill. And if you watch EastEnders, you know that that makes sense. And then you have, like, Tamsin Althwaite in one bit, who's, like, an EastEnders character. Denise Van Outen, you know, Jamie oh, Winston. I recognized her. I was so proud of myself. I was like, that's <laughs> Denise Van Outen. I know. <laughs> Didn't yeah. recognize anybody else. <laughs> yeah. I she was. And I think some of the things are quite tight. Like, I think it was actually really sharply directed. Some of the action sequences were really well done. There's a fight sequence in a club. And I was like, this is actually really well executed. I thought it was quite, you know, oh. they they, they kind of hit the quite, you know, the obvious things. Like, you knew he was like, right, I want to see a pic. I want to get the shot where someone's arms get broken backwards. I was like, yes. But yeah, I think that it was... That sounds graphic. Yeah, but not like in a, you know, it's kind of like, you don't see blood really, but mm-hmm. like... Yeah, I think it's like really well handled and it's got like a, you know, it's a kind of a very simple script, you know, mm. it's mistaken identity and trying to get back to something. And I think it's just, you know, I was quite surprised how much I was eye rolling. There was such a lot of eye roll because it's so cheesy in some places. <laughs> and then there's a bit and I don't think it's a spoiler to say this, but like because they've talked about it a lot on social media and stuff. But like Jeremy Corbyn pops up at one bit and I was just like, this is so funny. But like. It actually has handled really well. I was like, I actually really enjoyed that cameo. Ed <laughs> I Sheeran. Cameo. I loved it. But Ed Sheeran, please stop. Stop. <laughs> please, I beg. And I think he really tried in this one. It was like, you, do or do not, there is no try. <laughs> oh, gosh, man. I, I assume that you loved him in Game of Thrones as well. Um <laughs> he's in game of thrones spoiler it's it's a very minor <laughs> but now nah, i'm excited for you to get to that episode how far in are you on game of thrones i know this is a segue. i've not made any progress i'm so wow. sorry okay. <laughs> there's a lot going on at the moment <laughs> i will get there eventually cool i will uh, see ed sheeran <laughs> other than ed sheeran were there any performances that stood out to you hannah <laughs> Uh, Richard Campbell, Covner Holbrook-Smith, um, I think they were really good and really nailed it. Um, I'd just seen Covner in The Effect or at the National Theatre, and so I was like, oh, my guy, the range. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I don't know if there's, you know, because it's really the Richie and Kane show, so it's really <laughs> Jazzy and Adam who kind of sold it. I think London Hughes was quite funny in her a little bit. <laughs> what do you think, Clarice? Yeah, I think especially um, Jazzy's on Zolo. I just really enjoyed him. He's so funny. <laughs> and when he just, whenever he smiles, it's like, it's so sweet. When the, I think it's the beginning is like, and this is how he starts another hood as well. It's like loads of close-ups and you think it's going to be like the serious crime drama. And they're talking about doing this deal. And then it like does a wide shot 
and he's just brought them like a strap on mobile phone instead of a strap on strap <laughs> no not a, no a strap. no oh my god wait. have i fucked up <laughs> instead, well a strap on is something very different clarice oh i thought i obviously know that one. Oh my god Clarice is really revealing that if she was on this meet, she would have brought a dildo. I'm that guy in the movie because I don't really know what any of these terms mean. Oh, that's amazing. Why just say gun? Sorry. <laughs> if you want me to bring a gun, you got to just tell me to bring a gun because I'm going to bring something else. Noted for future reference whenever we. Oh, shit. Need I think it. I put that in my review as well. I really hope I'm going to edit a corner. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I thought, I fully thought Strapon. (laughs) Obviously, I know Strapon means that, but I thought it also meant gun. These can have multiple meanings. A strap. A strap. (laughs) Strap to what, though? Strap onto the body. Strap on. I I don't think it's that deep. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, I enjoyed that scene. Obviously, because I relate to it, I guess. (laughs) And on that glorious note. Let's type our screen, stream, or skip recommendations on Smotherhood. Hannah Flint. Uh, screen. Chloe Slockway. Yeah, I would say screen. I had fun. And a surprise autism representation, which I enjoyed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Lots of reasons to check this one out. I shall do so when my life is a little bit less crazy, which is unfortunately not happening for a while yet um speaking of craziness it's time for our hot take hot take hannah's got a sore throat the red carpet <laughs> it's a film festival over here, over here, over here smile smile to your left to your left to your left mate Mate, can you get out of the way? <laughs> well, see, how do these guys not get epilepsy from all the camera flashes? It's it's a lot. It's a lot. Oh my god, I saw um, this. I saw this video of like I think it was like maybe I know Taylor Swift or something getting out of the car trying to walk somewhere. It's like how do you walk anywhere when you've got that much flash in your face? Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited to see uh, Tay Tay's new film. Um, we get a lot of buzz. Anyway. I can't see it because I've got tickets and it will be a spoiler and I can't spoil myself. (laughs) What What, dilemma. When are you seeing Tay-Tay? Summer 2024. Oh, wow. Gotta wait a little while. A long time to wait. Yeah, I don't really know why they're releasing this film now in the UK Mm. when it's like, she hasn't come here yet. (laughs) We have nothing to memorize, nothing. We have no nostalgia for a thing that hasn't happened yet, which Mm. I'm guessing is the point of the movie. Well, I mean, she's probably going to switch it up on stage to the actual film so i hope she plays london boy she's in london <laughs> with idris elba i hope idris elba comes on stage <laughs> to do is the... that what she does she brings a boy london boy on no she doesn't play london boy at the moment because a relationship i guess private relationships with london boys is not great for her at the moment <laughs> <laughs> but i'm hoping enough time will have passed that when she comes to London, mm. she will have made peace with that. And she'll bring Idris Elba. <laughs> yes, a good London I mean, boy he's not a London boy, he's a London man. No, but he's, sorry, for context, he's on the song. Like the first, um, I get, he's like, it's a clip of him going, 
riding around on my scooter <laughs> and then it goes into the song no it's, way it's it, for people who don't know that's Idris Elba did he record it specifically for her no but I, he gave permission I would presume but I don't know where it I think it's from like an interview or something <laughs> I don't know why. But. I, I have not heard this London Boy song, but my question is, what's better, Tay-Tay's London Boy, Estelle's American Boy? Oh, American Boy, but okay. London Boy's good too. <laughs> good to know. And they I like both when they're used for Moon Knight edits on TikTok, because they're very popular choices. Of course they are. Um, the London Film Festival uh, concludes today. Uh, if you're listening to this on Sunday, which is when this episode drops, um, it's been an entertaining, intense few days uh, with a number of directors and some actors, um, you know, strike permitting, uh, coming down to support their films. Um, Hannah, what have been your highlights of the London Film Festival 2023 edition thus far? Um... Well, I made a little list earlier on when I posted it on social media, and I mm. think my favorite films were. And I will probably won't go into too much details with like the um, films because obviously we want to save the reviews mm-hmm. for when we actually do them on release. But I really loved Hitman. That was the first film that I saw. I thought that was great. All of Us Strangers. Mm. That was amazing. Mm. Maestro. Oh my god. When I mm. say, uh, I feel a bit of like a poncy person saying this, but like. Mm. Going like, that Bradley Cooper has really matured as a director. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I reviewed that for IGN, but I don't know when that's going out. Yeah. And um, Shader, that's been good. I love that film. Um, and I went to the Saltburn opening night gala, which was quite fun. Yeah. I wore specifically a Union Jack blazer yeah. that I got from Topshop <laughs> circa 2006, 2007, when the film is set. Because mm-hmm. I am, it's what's so funny about watching this movie is like, I'm that I was 18 at the mm-hmm. time going to uni, not going to Oxford, but going to like uni at the time. So it was really interesting. All the needle drops were insane and stuff, but I like that movie. I didn't love it. Um, mm-hmm. And then um, I tell you what, though, I tell you what's been interesting. I got the press, it press and industry plus, 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 pa- um, pass. Mm-hmm. Which was like, I think it was like 120 quid versus 52 quid. I thought, oh, this would be kind of cool to go to like the events. And then when I looked at the actual events for it, there's hardly, there were hardly anything. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of like, and then I went to one of the critics drinks thing. You know the critics drinks, um, they do these industry drinks that are sponsored by like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I get, I get to like Picture House Central <laughs> and it's just like a room for people. I was like, oh, okay. So it's just a room. You can either get a wine or a beer. And it's like, I don't like wine or beer. So it just kind of felt like, I don't know, it was, I, I don't know if there were, I don't think there was enough really that warranted personally for a critic to go to these things because, mm-hmm. I don't know, I didn't really feel like, and I had too much stuff going on. So mm-hmm. that's the problem with LFF is that, you know, when, you, when, you, when you've got a lot of things to do and get mm-hmm. through, you can't really get to see all the films that you want to see because you actually yeah. then need to actually write about it mm-hmm. and stuff. So, yeah. um, but I have found it, yeah, I found it pretty enjoyable. Clarice, have you found NFF pretty enjoyable this year? Yes, I really enjoyed it. I'm very tired, but I really enjoyed it. (laughs) What have been your highlights? Um, Getting to see Killers of the Flower Moon again 
um, especially with um, Chief Standing Bear in attendance and seeing it was very moving. Mm. And and both of you guys attended the Scorsese talk, right? I'm that was incredibly was moving. I the oh my god, yeah! I was like in tears. I was like, why am I crying? It's just because <laughs> I, I there's something really. I'm very thankful for Martin Scorsese because the way he talks is that he has such a vast, vast base of knowledge. Mm. But he speaks in such a like profoundly empathetic and humble way that he just like really cares about this shit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think like only that guy could make the movies that he made. Only that guy could have made Killers of the Flower Moon. And it's like, I just had this moment of like, I'm really glad he's alive and making movies. Mm. (laughs) And um, I also loved that Francesca Scorsese was there. TikTok mm-hmm. star and <laughs> yeah. also future director. I know she's doing oh, cool. um, making some stuff, so you can cool. see what she makes. Yeah. God, I'm... can you imagine? I mean, I really feel for like people like who's like I know of the greatest <laughs> film makers in the world. It's like, what do you do? I kind of like like when you know, like Harrison Ford's son is just like a chef. I, that's what just I mean, a chef, but you know, totally different. Yeah, you'd be like, I'm not even gonna. Because yeah. <laughs> I don't know if Harrison Ford can cook. He might be a shit cook. So This you know. is the most sympathy I've ever seen Hannah express for a Nepo baby. <laughs> we love Francesca though. Oh, because to be honest, we all know that she would not be. I mean, look, I'm pretty sure. I just get the vibe from her that she'd be the first to admit like, oh, yeah. I've got all this because my dad is Martin Scorsese. Like she's got her TikTok is big because she puts Martin Scorsese on it all the fucking time. Like, come on. She is like a, she's a proud Nepo baby if I've ever seen one. She's like, loves it. She has the t-shirt, you know? I feel like she knows, you know? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think that and this is again just like not to labor the point but I will <laughs> <laughs> I have no I have no problem with people who are children of people who do the same job as them if they're going to mm. go into the fam- their family's business fine but mm. what I take umbrage with is the refusal for a lot of these people to acknowledge what that access uh, affords whether it be knowledge of the industry connections uh, foot in the door like recognizable sur- surname you know mm. i think a lot of people just don't want to admit to that um and because you know we do it like and it is not a meritocracy like hollywood is not a meritocracy so mm-hmm. that's that's the point yeah. um some of my favorite you know actors are nepo babies jake gyllenhaal mm-hmm. nepo baby very very good nepo baby um yeah now i unfortunately wasn't in uh, attendance for that Marty talk only because I was busy with the mentees. Uh, we were talking to James. I know Sam. you nearly tried to get me to it too. I was like, I'm so sorry, I'm here for Marty Scorsese. <laughs> no, I'm we... here for the kids, but I'm also here for the elderly. <laughs> we rearranged the schedule for Hannah to make sure that she got to the Scorsese talk. Um, but uh, yeah, that that was fun in terms of our talk. We had James Samuel coming in to talk. Um, to our mentees and he is a character a very fun character that was a lot of fun and and doing that uh, entire course with my colleague mentor Akri Gamfi that was the second year in a row that I've done it um, it's very rewarding and yeah I'm I'm hopeful that all the people we men- mentored are going to go on and do great things in the industry um, the Martin Scorsese talk which I was not in attendance for is thankfully now online so I'm going to definitely spend 90 minutes at some point in the next week, watching that back, because um, 
apparently. I've heard only amazing things from everyone who's in attendance. Um, I will say this, though, on like when I was at that talk and, and things I've seen being held at South Bank mm-hmm. Centre, the Royal Festival Hall. Yeah. There is a there are a lot of seats that aren't being filled. Like they mm. don't use the side bits, and I don't understand. Like if that was the hot ticket, and don't get me wrong, when I went to the Mark Scorsese talk, it was like every critic I knew was there. <laughs> yeah. It was insane. It mm-hmm. was like oh god, I felt somewhat guilty that we were all there because mm. obviously open to the public. But but mm. I felt wor- but then I just looked at the amount of seats that weren't being filled on the sides or even mm. the boxes, and I'm like, you could open this up. I don't know why they do. So mm. I'd love to know why they don't. Mm. But. Yeah. Why have them if you're not going to use them? Indeed. That's weird. Can I also shout out the end? I went to the Andrew Haig talk. Mm. Um, and he, I also really enjoyed that because what I love about Andrew Haig, because uh, I was also, I went, when I would see Lean on P at a screening, he, was, he did an introduction and talked for a bit as well. And what I love about him is that he's so matter of fact and he's so like, just very straightforward the way about he how he makes his movies and then you watch his movies and it's literally the most like emotionally devastating mm-hmm. like rip your heart out put it on the table kind of thing you've ever seen in your life and I <laughs> really enjoy the contrast because <laughs> like the whole way through Adrian Hague's talk he was very like yeah I made this movie and it was like you know I just sat down and I wrote the script and like here's the production troubles I went into and mm-hmm. like he's quite jokey about stuff and and pokes fun at things and then they would like show the trailer for all of us strangers and like me and my friend who'd just seen it just started sobbing because <laughs> we were thinking about certain parts of all of us strangers which is just yeah. like yeah. an incredible movie yeah. like that and killers of the flower moon are my big okay. highlights i have mm-hmm. not yet seen killers of the flower moon i'm seeing it on monday very excited uh, to finally watch it i have seen hitman hitman is my film of the festival uh, so far, uh, Hannah is doing some very cool things with her hair right now that you cannot. I'm see. not. It's not trying to do my hair. I've got like a real crick in my neck. Oh, trying to fix it. I thought you were doing a Willow Smith there. Should we? We were going to talk about some of the things that we've seen. that has yeah. been the hot buzz at thingies. So there was. So so Hitman has been my film of the fest. I completely loved that film. You know, I'm a I'm a big Richard Linklater fan. Uh, he has a lifetime pass for me for School of Rock and the Before Trilogy, which are just incredible. I do not say this lightly. I put Hitman up there with the best of link, the link list. I love that movie so much. I cannot wait to watch it again. We saw it at 8.30 a.m. Uh, press screening. People were still on their first, second and third coffees. There were people applauding loudly mid-movie. You had to be very good to get that reaction. <laughs> I bet they were seeing that reaction one other time, and that was the LFF morning screening of Whiplash and the ending just sent everyone into just, you know, just wild. Um, so yeah, love that. Uh, also really liked Poor Things. Um, and yeah, I'm very excited to talk to Chris about that because I know that she is a very big Yorgos Lanthimos fan. One um, more day until my <laughs> life has changed and I am never the same person again. <laughs> uh, also liked All of Us Strangers. Well, that's why I liked I really liked May, December. I know that you guys did too. Um, it's weird because I already saw that earlier. So it's like, yeah. it's, it's like, is that including my LFF? <laughs> but it technically is. A, yeah. And then, no, we were like, oh, and a few weeks ago, I was like, yeah, we're going to interview Todd Hay. And they were like, mm-hmm. cup of time. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully did, in the future, we'll have that interview. They did the same thing with us on how to have sex um, with me and McKenna Bruce. Hopefully we will have 
time with her. And bring she's so lovely. Well. Yeah. No, it's I'm, really nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm, already, I'm already a big fan. There was a thing that I noticed, and you guys shared it, and Helen Simmons, uh, who is a producer, uh, who produced, has produced quite a few things, actually, out this year, but Horde is one of them. Hmm. Uh, Clarice and I were digging up the dance floor with Helen and Sarah Cook, friend of the podcast, and uh, Luna Carmoon, the director at the Saltburn Mm-hmm. after party because mm-hmm. i mean we were, we were it was murder on a dance floor with all our moves <laughs> um, did you kill we the groove to... um i killed it revived it slapped it <laughs> <laughs> knocked it around a little bit then yeah quartered drawn and quartered it and then sewed it back together so yeah the groove is <laughs> my monster <laughs> um but this thing you sent, and it was kind of this weird thing, I think sometimes, and it's one thing we always have to be a bit mindful when we go to film festivals and we're chatting to people, is that, you know, you'll be like, oh, what have you seen? What have you done? Or you'll come out and like, and you'll be like talking about a film and it's like, there are people around you who might not have seen this yet or kind of doing that. You have to be really careful. But also like, I suppose like, I think just, I've seen a lot of people, like I saw Lillian Crawford, crit- the critic who talked about like, I think it must've been coming out of all of us strangers and people just really slating the movie immediately afterwards. And it's like, you don't know who's in, someone could have been like worked on the film nearby. And I guess like, and then going on letterbox and stuff. And I suppose there's the kind of the culture, like film festivals is such a privilege to get to see things first, but you're also watching them with people in the industry, people around you. And certainly for me, I've noticed like, I'm less putting my hot takes or my opinions or reviews of, films immediately on social media anymore because I just feel like I want to review we have this podcast that I Mm -hmm. think is my the best way for me to talk about film personally because we get to have an actually discussion so Mm -hmm. so yeah so I don't know what you guys think about that that is one of many reasons why I love this space that we have collectively curated um because it does give us a chance to actually get into whatever films are on the docket that week and discuss them in depth, its pros, its cons, what we liked, what we didn't like, and actually really get into it. It's hard to boil all of that down into a pity 240-character tweet sometimes. Um, and I am generally like to think of myself as a positive person, and if I feel you know, really sort of positive on a certain film, I will try and get that word out there. I did a tweet on Hitman after I saw it because I loved it so much. But if it's anything negative, I'd rather either just not say anything at all and wait for the podcast or just you know if i really sort of feel a burning desire i will say it once and i won't say again it's why i don't like worst of lists at the end of the year i've said what i needed to say when the film came out why do i need to revive all that ugly stuff? i want to talk about the good stuff that happened in the year um so yeah i completely agree and i really enjoyed uh helen's thread as well uh, yeah, I have to say it was kind of weird, and this is not me blaming the the people, but it was sort of surreal coming out of Killers of the Flower Moon, and I was like in floods of tears, and then like the guys next to me were going, yeah, it wasn't really as good as Goodfellas, though, was it? Like very loudly, and then wow. someone else on the right <laughs> side was like, yeah, that scene with the Osage Nation were like, you know begging for the the death of their people to stop was quite boring and repetitive wasn't it it was just like sometimes this is what i find so strange about film festivals is because it is like this constant churn of opinion Mm. and everyone is consuming 
they because Ma- Marty, my good friend Marty, <laughs> at the end of his talk, to was the talking S, about what up? <laughs> this idea of how he qualifies content, and it's like, yes, that was a really good point. Is you sit down and you take the moment and you really you consume, you like you really be with present with the movie, um, and you make space for it. And I feel like film festivals sometimes have the the dangers that you watch so much stuff especially you're watching three, five movies a day and you're like tweeting out reaction, blah, 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 just trying to Mm -hmm. do really quick fire opinions. I think sometimes that, that creates a danger of inching towards this idea of content that, that Martin Scorsese talked about. Like he says that, you know, he puts TCM on in the background of his house. And he says when that movie, when it's on the TV has become content because he's not sitting down to actually watch the movie and be present with the movie it's just like an audio and visual thing that's happening at him (laughs) and definitely film festivals don't go that far but I think that's the one thing I always try to be conscious of is don't let it become content and and appreciate each individual film and like I have been tweeting some little reviews mostly because I know I'm not going to be able to write the review for of couple of weeks and I don't want to forget mm-hmm. what I thought of it so I wrote a like somewhat muted response to Maestro but also uh, Bradley Cooper wasn't there and I don't think he reads my my Twitter so I, I felt comfortable Rude. doing that but I do think that is another thing is to think you know when you're at film festival you're consuming films of lots of different budgets and I think you know I sometimes I think okay be be mindful that Bradley Cooper can probably take the tweet, but <laughs> mm-hmm. the person who maybe has their like debut at the film festival, who is having to be on social media to really actively promote their stuff, mm-hmm. like which is not to say don't be negative about small budget films, but mm-hmm. you know maybe be. I sometimes think maybe be a bit more mindful of the language, which is really what Helen Simmons in her tweet thread was talking about. Is that. I think sometimes there is a a lack of appreciation that when you are a first time filmmaker, a low budget filmmaker, you are like the little baby deer, like walking Mm -hmm. into London Film Festival, just please, so vulnerable and gentle, be nice, you know, Mm -hmm. which I relate to. I'm very sensitive. I don't like people saying mean stuff about my writing. (laughs) (laughs) Being more mindful and respectful is just in general a good way to go, I think, and I also think that just in general, I mean, people, and I admire them, people who are able to sort of watch something and write a really well-considered take in quick, double-quick time. I'm very envious of those who are able to do that. But for me, I know that if I take longer to sit with a film and let it marinate, that almost always leads to better work. Um, And so maybe even doing that before tweeting whatever you're going to tweet, um, will be a better policy than just immediately after the film, bang, 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 send. Um, mm. which is what I suppose this one person who'd seen like 46 films, like, and this was on, and it started for the festival, and this was like on Monday. And I'm yeah. like, wow, that couldn't be me. Like, yeah. I remember when I was doing Toronto Film Festival for the first time, and I thought I'd see like, my schedule's mm. like, boom, 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 in. Mm. And I honestly just felt so drained, mm-hmm. so tired. Um, and I think the one of the things I've learned over the years about film festivaling is certainly if you're always a working critic as well and writing like a journalist is that be realistic. Mm-hmm. And pace yourself. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I realistically cannot deal with a lot. And it's a shame because obviously there's so many films that I would have loved to have seen. Yeah, me too. But then I'm also like, I'll see them when they come out and they release and then I've got a bit more time on it, you know? Because mm-hmm. again, I can, I be, I can't knock out a review quickly. Because also mm. it depends, I mean, look, if it's like a hundred, depending on what length they want, there's mm. a difference. But like, yeah. I can't, some of the well, places that I write for, some of them like a bit more meat on it, I'm like six, they want 700 words or mm-hmm. 600 words. Like, I, don't, I can't just knock that out immediately afterwards. I need time mm. to think about what I want to include. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was good uh, to see the films I did see and to meet the people I did meet. That is one thing that I think film festivals are, are great uh, hubs for meeting new people, conversing with new film fans, not only just in terms of professional building and connection, but just talking to like-minded film fans. And they're all here for the same reason. We all love what we do. Um, and any time you get to start a conversation like that and then to maintain that relationship afterwards, it's always, it's always good. And film festivals are a really good climate to foster that sort of thing. Um, and I met a lot of new people over the last two, three weeks, which was fun. Also, whoever made the decision to put the big Minotaur statue at the uh, Saltburn after party, blessings <laughs> to you. Because I opened my phone the day, the morning after, I looked at my photos folder. I'd taken like 10 pictures of him. Uh, I think I've got this a picture is... of me and Lab looking up at him with all oh. like... <laughs> I wasn't even in the pictures. I was just taking pictures of the Minotaur because I was so I loved the Minotaur so much. You were like, "That's for the wank bank." Oh my god! I mean, we'll talk about it when the movie comes out. No, no, I'm not. No, I'm just interested in the Minotaur. Don't ruin it. Really Who's gonna put on a strap on? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, it was dear. right there. I'm sorry. Why are you going to ruin everything? No. Oh, gosh. Only platonic feelings for the Minotaur. It's just very interesting because he's connected to the history of the Palace of Knossos and Crete. And Saltburn has some very interesting connections to Greek mythology that we will talk about. I also forgot to mention that I too attended an after party. Uh, I attended one for the Book of Clarence, uh, which was a lot of fun. A lot of black British faves turning up and showing out for James Samuel. Uh, we're all going to be discussing that film in due time. And boy, is that going to be a discussion filled with hot takes. Um, <laughs> but that is the end of this hot take section. And that is indeed the end of this podcast. Thank you for tuning in and happy viewing via whatever medium is safest for you. Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast because it makes a difference. And tweet us any questions or hot takes at BetaBlackPod on Twitter, where you can find me at Woman. I'm also on Instagram, Threads, Blue Sky, and the like. I'm at Clarice Lou on Twitter, at Clarice Lockie on Instagram, and I think also Blue Sky, I think that's my username. <laughs> <laughs> and also India Stoker on PlayStation because I'm still playing Fortnite. Sorry, everybody. They're adding Jack Skellington. I'm very excited. <laughs> and Michael Myers. <laughs> Halloween. Um, I'm Hannah Ines Flint on Instagram and on Letterboxd. Woo. Farewell, film friends. It is time to fade to black. Mm-hmm.